All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Must Podcast, boys and girls, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, snowy, potentially icy, windy Knoxville, Tennessee, um, where we will not be addressing anything that happened in Lexington at Rep Arena over the weekend. Not doing it. Um, on today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, I'll be joined by... Lauren Gunn and Corbin Ford to talk all things NBA, the the debut of the NBA Sunday shoot-around edition of this very podcast, hoping to make this a weekly staple uh, on this particular day in your feed here on the Chase Thomas podcast. So uh, look out for that at this time every week. But uh, Sunday afternoons, NBA is a big thing for me. Um, It's always been that way with ABC and all that fun stuff dating back years and years when I was an undergrad and all that fun stuff. So as football winds down, basketball uh, rises and uh, Sunday's becoming more dominated by uh, NBA stuff outside of the other times that I'm watching games and all that good stuff. So look out for that. Uh, we talked about the Blazers. We talked about the Hawks. We talked about the Sixers and Bede. Um, we talked about all kinds of our fake trades that we would like to see happen um, very soon. We talked about you know, the Mavericks, what are, what are they doing with Jalen Brunson? How does he fit long-term his contract? Uh, how the Porzingis Powell uh, dynamic has worked. The Bulls can get out of the East with the way that they're presently constructed. The Patrick Williams question there. Um, Jeremy Grant, fake trades. Utah, I want it. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm pushing here. The Lakers can get out of their hole. Um, all kinds of good stuff on the debut edition of Sunday NBA shoot around here on the Chase Thomas podcast. So look out for all of that uh on this particular episode and uh at this time every week so fun exciting stuff Uh, i'm excited to keep doing these pods with lauren and corbin it's a lot of fun and they're they're great at what they do and that is covering the nba so uh before we get started with today's episode of the program i would like to mention how hey you can support this very show it starts with a quick uh leaving a quick five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, make sure to get, go visit chasethomaspodcast.com for access to all of my previous episodes and make sure to subscribe to the Sports Renaissance Man uh, newsletter at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Just type in your email. Easy promise. <laughs> sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. And as always, you can email this very program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's ride. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to Sunday NBA shoot around. This is what I want to call this. This is what I want to call this. It's something where, you know, I, you're not going to believe this, guys, but I would like to talk basketball on Sundays. I like the Sunday shoot arounds. I like the, the ABC Sunday NBA basketball games. And now that football, college football specifically, out of the picture, and we got NFL stuff going on, but um, we're in the heart of the NBA time for me, where like I can remove some focus from college, remove some focus from the, uh, a lot more NFL teams, and I can prioritize even more of my watching to the NBA. So to do all of that, to talk about some big time NBA stuff on this very podcast, Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball is here. Lauren, good morning. How are you? I am fantastic. The Mavs are five above 500, so I am doing pretty pretty well right now, and I'm glad to be chatting with two of my faves. So, 
Well, thank you for being here. Very nice. Also here, Mr. Corbin Ford. Corbin, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am doing okay. Um, Just that the Lakers could be better, but also the Lakers are best as yet to come. (laughs) You're just not (laughs) going to quit this. Mind positive vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Oh man, I uh, I appreciate that because like I with college basketball, I don't know how much y'all watch college, but it, or just saw what happened to Tennessee yesterday. Um, Rick Barnes gave up a hundred for the first time in his coaching career against Kentucky, where Kentucky shot about eighty uh, percent from the field, which was just preposterous. Like it, we were midway through the the third or second half, and it was just a seventy eight percent clip for Kentucky as we just got run out of Rep Arena and uh, did not have fun. And then the Hawks doing what the Hawks have been doing. I can't escape it. The Falcons just having the most just boring, average, forgettable season of my lifetime mixed in with uh, this and then the way Tennessee lost to Purdue. It's been it's been rough for me uh, across the board. So, Corbin, all I'm saying is it could be worse. You just got the Lakers. <laughs> like, it could be worse. It, I promise. Fair enough. I appreciate that. That is true. <laughs> See, that's why, I mean, it's nice to have, like, multiple sports teams, like, mm-hmm. that's your faves with, like, I'm a Saints guy, so football, oh my goodness, was, what was dashed a while ago? Yeah, basketball is my like one focus though, so you know it's kind of hard to live and die with one thing. But I couldn't imagine multiple disappointments. You know? Did you admit? Did you just fail to mention the Saints stuff just to get on this podcast long term? Well, like what? what <laughs> you've never mentioned honestly, this before. Okay, so really quickly, like mm-hmm. my sports teams, like my favorite sports team for baseball is the Phillies. Football is the Saints, and the Lakers, obviously, basketball. This started because nine-year-old Corbin was like, I need to get into sports. And mm-hmm. he picked the teams with the jerseys that he liked the most. <laughs> okay. And so this is how I found my teams, and then I just mm-hmm. stayed with them. But I'm just really quiet about those two because the Saints haven't, what, it's been like 10 years since they won the Super Bowl, like a couple years since Drew Brees uh, forgot how to throw and then retired. <laughs> so that was a while. Um, the Phillies have just been the Phillies, and then I have my Lakers. So – yeah, I mean, if it helped not if it helped to get on the show, then of course you know I, mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't mention it for this long. But yeah. that was good. I mean, you're you're locked in now, so this was good. Fake it till you make it. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, do you watch anything outside of the Mavs? Like, are you invested in the Texas Rangers at all? Um, so I I'm invested in the Cowboys, which okay. I, I know is big game this afternoon. I know. I'm very excited. I fingers crossed. Um, mm-hmm. But and I do from time to time watch the Rangers. I have this and and I also Dallas Stars, which I know is kind of like recency. They've been doing well in like the last couple of years. So like mm. that's kind of also why I've hopped on the train, because before <laughs> that, it that wasn't the case. So I'm all for like Dallas sports and supporting that. Um, but for hockey and baseball, it's difficult for me because there's so many games. And so mm. it's hard for me to be like, oh, this game is just so big on the schedule because there's three other like there's for baseball. But like. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with with the Dallas sports, but all my Dallas sports teams, I'm on board with. Are you a Texas Longhorn fan? Aggies, mm, my, SMU, uh, TCU. My brother, my brother went to A and M, so okay. We do cheer for the Aggies. Okay. Well, he, he, I will I will be happy when they win, but I if I'm like home alone and I'm like, oh, it's Saturday, mm. am I gonna watch the Aggies? Probably not. Oh, do you watch any college football at all? Sometimes, if there's a big game, if okay. Bama's playing, I'm rooting for the other team 10 times out of 10. <laughs> if Michigan State's playing, I'm rooting for Michigan State because I have a lot of family that go there um, or hmm. that went there. Um, and so, yeah, I have a couple of teams that I'm like, okay, yes, but Bama, sorry, no, not a chance. I like that. I like that. We'll we'll run with that. We're back at we're back in good graces here because I the the Saint stuff just threw me for a loop. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> 
Well, don't forget, folks. So this is uh, now that the NBA season, we're a little over the halfway mark. We got uh, several more months to go, but um, this is going to be fun. As I said at the top of this program, that we are uh, we're going to start hitting this uh, weekly. Hopefully, we got Corbin. You can follow him on Twitter at Corbin NBA. You can follow Lauren at the Lauren Gun and keep up with their great work all across the internet. But uh, go give them a follow if you have not already done so. Uh, don't forget, you can check out all of my previous episodes on ChaseThomasPodcast.com. And if you like listening to Lauren, Corbin, and I talk NBA today on our NBA Shootaround Sunday edition of this very podcast, leave us a five-star rating interview. And on Apple or Spotify, it helps more than you know. Um, where I want to start first, the Portland Trailblazers, who I think are, for me, when I think about the landscape of the NBA, where we are in the season, and who has the most questions surrounding what they do in the um, in the short term um they both the blazers fit two bills they have short-term questions and long-term questions and i am so fascinated outside of the hawks because there's a bias there of what they do at the deadline but the blazers out west are in a similar kind of boat damian lillard's obviously further down the line uh than trey in his career but it's the same sort of pressure where dame uh took care of his admin issue that had been plaguing him for a long time. And this was like a pun on the season. They're going in the lottery. They're going to have to address some stuff, but they fired Neil O'Shea. They have a lot of front office turmoil. They have ownership questions. They have head coach questions. They have questions all across the board. Um, I have, I don't know what you do. Like I would be having a lot of sleepless nights if I'm Cronin right now, because threading this needle with dame who is just so loyal to the portland trailblazers while also understanding that like when you look at the top of the western conference you're like i don't know how we do this while dame's still in his prime like i don't know how you fix this and how you retool on the fly and use a lottery pick who can help dame in the next two to three years like you're it's the wiseman question where it's like that's just it's hard to do it doesn't mean that you don't think wiseman can get there but like the timelines have to match up and I don't know if that can happen with this slaughter pick. So do you flip that? All that to say, now that we know with Dame having the surgery and being out for a while, the Blazers will not have Damian Lillard. They will not be a playoff team, a play-in team, no matter what. Now, what do they do? Lauren, what do the Blazers do in the short term? Yeah, so it, it's really interesting. And I'm going to do my best to not make this a long-winded answer. Um, but the first thing that, well, I guess you got to deal with the trade deadline before you deal with the offseason. But right now, I don't think CJ is some, like you kind of, you. the question has always been, you have to move on from CJ. Like, what are you going to do? When are you going to do that? It's one or the other, and it's not going to be Dame. But now they're at a point where they're in such turmoil, and CJ still has three years, like this is three years left on his deal. And so you can't, he's viewed, and they were, it was reported that he's viewed as a negative asset. I don't, do I agree with that? I think it varies by situation, but you kind of have to shift your focus to these guys like Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic who are on these expiring deals. And that's where you can kind of try to thread the needle, like you said, and try and get some deals done. But those are only going to be lateral moves for mm -hmm. the most part. And so I just, I, I do think it's one of those situations where they're just going to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and hope that they either hit on this potentially top 10 draft pick better be top 10 draft pick mm -hmm. or try to attach it to go get somebody. But 
I don't know who that would be. Honestly, if they could find a way to get Sabonis, I don't know why that just popped into my head. If you had a top <laughs> 10 pick, Anthony Simons and Nas Little, yeah. I don't hate that for uh, Indiana and like the Arvidas Sabonis and DeMontis Sabonis like connect. I think that'd be cool. But anyway, that's just my, it doesn't hmm. matter. And so um, I think that could be interesting, especially because if, not that Dame plays no defense, like I hate just like throwing that on somebody, but like if you get Sabonis in there with him, I think that may, that's a little interesting, especially if, uh, um, if you still have CJ, which I don't know how that would work money wise, but I, there's always a way to get things done money wise. But the point is, is that I don't think you can move CJ right now. I think you're gonna have to wait until he gets closer to the end of his deal. Cause that ship has sailed. Um, especially with the health aspect of it in there. And so you're going to have to, I don't think they're going to move on from Simons right now. He's playing amazing. And so I, I, if, if you are, if you have the retool phase that you might potentially have to enter, if Dame asks out, you're going to want to have a young core. And Anthony Simons was somebody that they drafted who I believe, if I remember correctly, skipped college and focused on preparing for the draft. And then he came the same year. I think as Darius Baisley. I think they both, went to these prep academies and then mm-hmm. went into the draft and then got drafted. And it was like, okay, well, how's that going to work out? And they both like are doing just fine. And so, yeah, they need to figure out what their timeline is. And I think they're still trying to make it Dame, but it's going to quickly not become that. It's that easy. They just need to draft their Tim Duncan. They need to draft their Kawhi next to use their one lottery pick and just get an all-time like, future Hall of Famer. That's all they need. It, there's so much <laughs> pressure too. Cause like there are this draft, is very interesting mm-hmm. but if you decide to keep the pick like the pick obviously before trading it is way more valuable if it's a top 10 pick than once you've made that selection and so do you like they're going to be wheeling and dealing trying to get that starting guy for dame next year and prepare for that but there's a there's a good chance that you don't have anything to work with on this roster or if top 10 pick plus simons isn't enough to go get you someone that you really want maybe it is but these draft i mean the top 10 guys it's a lot of freshmen and a lot of sophomores and a lot of 19 18 year olds or 18 19 year 19 year olds so like that's a lot of pressure for a a uh a front office to say that's our guy to save dame <laughs> like that's just mm, that's a tall order it really is corbin what do you think i mean I agree with both of your points. It, it, it's it's such a complicated situation because the Blazers this year, I mean, you look at what they did last, last year, I think they were like 42 and 30, and that was with, you know, missing a lot of both CJ McCollum and Yusef Nurkic. And then I, apparently they thought by the minor change they made around the fringes that they'd be a team that could compete yet again, you know, for a decent playoff run. Obviously, it's not the case. They're 10th right now. Just a plethora of guys out. I'm more of the opinion of, like, just blowing it up, and I get that that's hard to to do with the Damian Lillard who is still committed to the franchise and just wants to be on a winning team. But like, as of right now, I mean, you look at their free, like free agency for the next year or this upcoming off season, Yusef Nurkic, Robert Covington, Anthony Simons are all free agents, right? All of them to some extent are going to get paid. And the problem is that the Blazers have what, I think it's over 70% last I saw their cap space for next season already tied up between Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell. If you trade CJ, you're probably getting that much money back in return anyway, regardless of the quality of player, just in terms of the contract. So, like, I, I don't know if that's what you want to go with, and I think we've seen this stance before. And it, 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 it's really short. It's like me doing, you know, I'm not going to do my own dance move. It just, it, it's short, it's disappointing, and, and that's kind of, that's it. So, I just feel like, 
if you look at the cap space you have, you make an effort to retain Anthony Simons, who has been going off this year. I mean, this winter alone, the last, what, I think six games, he's averaging 28 points, eight assists, uh, shooting 50% from the field and like 45, 46% from three. Like, you add all of that, you bring in, uh, you know, like, like Lauren was saying, at least somewhere around a top 10 pick. You guys have been playing all you guys anyway and still losing. So I don't think you have to necessarily tank to do that. But, you know, you get a good player in the draft coming up. You pair that with a very young Anthony Simons. Maybe you either sell Dame on, hey, we are trying to bridge. You know, maybe this happened a little earlier than we expected. But you are in the 2014-2015 Dirk for this team. Like, you can still be with this franchise. You can still be with the main guys. We'll try to make a half-hearted effort to build around you. But, like, you're going to go into the season knowing that, like, finals contention is probably not happening. Or we can deal you, like, and get you to a team where we do right by you, something, something, Russell Westbrook to Houston. You know what I mean? And I think that's their their best course of action because I don't see how you do these players and get a player of significant return that's going to make you better for the quality of players you're sitting out, even with Steve McComb, who I, who I like, you know? And without doing that, if you roll this same squad out next year, uh, I'll be in a more expensive unit, plus you can't keep everyone just because of where your money's at. I just don't know if that's the route you want to go. I think that, unfortunately, you know, it's just, it's, it's happened. I've done it before in 2K. Like, you, you sell on a course of action, you know, I'm not comparing myself to, I guess I am, to the front office of Portland, but you sell on a course of action, you run its course, and there there really isn't another way out at this point, aside from starting fresh or, or doing your best to, to do so. But if Dame's like, I don't want you to start fresh, I want you to keep doing this, you're like, okay, well... I guess we're going for Sabonis and Karis LeVert. I guess we're <laughs> going to see what we can throw at uh, Detroit for Jeremy Grant or Sadiq Bey. Or we're going after Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes. Like, I don't I don't think any... Yeah, but I don't think there's any path. I don't know. I You could call it a mulligan year, but man, I, I just... This is why I don't know what the, the right answer is. The Sabonis stuff is interesting. I hadn't considered them. That would be funny, though, if Portland was like, hey... You think we're sellers? Guess not. We're we're yeah, going for it. We're we're gonna actually add and make it fun down the stretch here. And then when Dame comes back and uh, CJ's one hundred percent right, and this group's good, and Roko's off the books uh, this off season, and we have our group back, we'll we'll address it and we'll be good next year. Our starting five will be back. Like we'll just have a starting five of competent veterans with one star, and we'll see what happens. Maybe we can get back in the top four of the West. Like that is something that you could do, but. Man, I, I don't know if Dame keeps saying no, you can't do the Russell Westbrook thing. If he's if he's wanting to do this, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. But you kind of felt like I mean, Lauren does with the Mavs and with mm-hmm. Dirk towards the end. Do you do you see any correlation between the two of them? Did you think about the same kind of stuff when they were when he was definitely on the back end? And you're like, wow, there's the years since we won a title and since it all worked out, it's it's getting harder and harder to see how this works. Yeah, and and it was. As years went on, obviously it got worse. But like the couple of years after, I remember the summer after we won, um, we did not bring the team back, and like the city of Dallas was in an uproar because mm-hmm. we had all these underdogs, um, and it was like, how can you not bring these guys back? And like JJ Barea made his way to Minnesota, and then eventually like came back, and it was like as Dirk's um, career went on and it got closer and closer to the end they would like try to bring guys back they also brought tyson chandler back at one point um then they brought in vince carter and like vince vince's stint here was just spectacular um it was just so fun to watch it wasn't like you know young vince but it was (laughs) they they made Mm -hmm. efforts to try and make give him a competitive team to work with but the city of dallas 
or at least I feel like most competent fans were like, okay, that was it. That was it. And he stayed here. And especially after like knowing the deals that he turned down, it was clear that he was never going to leave. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, we want to make, give this guy a competitive team. Are we going to get, um, cause at one point Chris Paul almost came to Dallas. Like it was this close. Drew holiday almost came to Dallas at one point. Um, like there were lots of things that almost happened. They just didn't. And it was like, they want to give Dirk a competitive team, but a lot of guys, a lot of these young guys want to play with, you know, a LeBron or like, like somebody they can throw lobs to or somebody. And that's like, that's no knock against Dirk, but like, you know what you're getting there. And it's just, as he got older, uh, it was just a little bit different. It's a, and so that's where I kind of disconnect with Dame is because Dame is still you know, 31 years old and he, he can still do a lot. And if he becomes available, he's immediately one of the most valuable assets in the league. Not that Dirk wouldn't have been at that time, but Dirk works in certain systems and with certain player personnel. I think with Dame, you could pretty much make that work in just about anywhere. And so um, right now, I don't quite look at them the same. But I because I'm also not totally convinced that he won't ask out like with Dirk. I was like, this man's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. not going anywhere with Dame. I don't know that I, I can't say that one with 100 percent certainty. Uh, but the, for me, like the biggest, the biggest, the two big because I think Robert Covington, he's gone at the deadline. Like that's a move that mm-hmm. you have to make and I expect them to make. But Nurkic is kind of where I keep coming back to. Like They are so close, him and mm-hmm. Dame. And like, I know that that's you're going to have to pay him. Or he's going to have to be okay with a significant pay cut, pay cut to stay, which personally I I think he would be okay with. But I don't I don't know. So it it that's the first conversation you have to have with it with Dame. Are you okay with us also pulling the trigger on that to clear up more money and to try and get you something, or do you want to keep your buddies around and us have to figure it out another way? Because eventually the responsibility is also going to fall. I mean. I think some people might say it already has fallen on Dame, but some of it is yep. going to fall on Dame to where it's like you are also a part of this this nucleus that is making the decisions like when we're running them by you. And so you can't keep the same guys around. You can't keep your friends around and keep having the same result each year and just expect it to magically solve itself. And so especially when we're locking up all this money in these people. So. Um, yeah, they need to pick a direction and go. And right now, you like Nas Little, big fan. Anthony Simons, big fan. But these are guys that you can flip to try and get more win now, especially when you've got teams like the Pacers and Ben Simmons out there and Jeremy Grant out there and um, the Hawks. Sorry, Chase. Um, like there are so many places. There are more sellers than there should be, in my opinion. And so you can make some moves, but like I think you could even get Julius Randle if you really wanted to. I oh. really think you could. And so, and not that yeah. I think that that's maybe the best fit, but if you want to go get somebody that's going to put up numbers with Dame and just go all offense, you got to do something. Can't keep running it back. So yeah, that's sorry. That was another long winded answer, but no, but you good. get my yeah. point. There there are options out there. They need to pick one and go. Corbin, what do you think they ultimately do at the deadline? What do you think the Blazers operate? How do you think they operate? What do you think they ultimately do? I, I think they kind of do maybe what Lauren said, kind of like bridge the gap a little bit. Like maybe they, like Covington gone for sure. I would say maybe Nurkic. I think that they look and say, hey, where we're at, we're not climbing. You know what I mean? Let Anthony Simons continue to ball out. Like we want to see exactly what this guy can do. Last year, then he's more of a three-point shooter. This year, he's not only shooting the three at a high clip, but he's getting, you know, to the basket really well and finishing around there. Like let's keep developing him with these heavy minutes, see what he can do on ball, off ball, et cetera. Um, 
kind of see guys that play well alongside him so you can form a great little team around uh, Dame Lillard and then offload the expiring contracts and see what happens come the offseason. I think that's the path they take because, I mean, playing it out like this isn't – they're not they're not getting – I don't think – I don't think – I think they're going to fall out of the play, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think that, yeah. that this is something that's going to happen for them. Yeah, so it's like at this point – you might as well look to the future. If you want to kind of play that one eye on the future, one eye on the present type, uh, poor man's warriors, because you really don't have the, the kind of young guys in the wings that they do. But like, if you want to try to pretend that that's what you're doing, then there you go. But I think that you definitely make a move for Covington, see what you can get back from him. Maybe try to see what you get back from McCullum, you know, keep your eyes out there or whatever um, for Ben Simmons and uh, Sabonis entry as well. And just kind of go from there. But I think they're going to not commit to one path fully and just kind of try to do both. They're the worst road team in the in the Western Conference. Funny enough, Jeez. worst road team. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what ultimately happens. Yeah, they're three and fourteen on the road this year. Um, next, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Zach Levine thankfully avoided uh, just a disastrous uh, knee injury uh, earlier this week, and uh, they've had a busy week. The Chicago Bulls are atop as of this recording the Eastern Conference at at the moment. At the moment, we have to really really press that caveat here um corbin i want to ask you though have we seen enough to believe the bulls cannot compete in a seven game series with brooklyn miami and milwaukee as presently constructed See, okay so that's interesting to compete i i disagree i think that they have shown enough to compete i, I think that you know we've we've seen just how devastating they can be offensively with DeRozan, Zach Levine, the defense, especially perimeter-wise. We have Lonzo Ball and Russo. Nikola Vucevic is finding his form, at least from mid-range, not yet from three. But, like, I think we've seen they can compete. Do I, do I think that they can, like, win a series against those top teams? Uh, against Brooklyn, I actually like their chances more um, than, like, a Milwaukee or anything. But I, I don't think that's the case just yet. And a lot of it is just, I think they don't have, like, a defensive stopper or someone they can even, like, reasonably put on their main guys. You know, you, you face Milwaukee, you're looking at Giannis. You face Chicago, or you face um, Brooklyn, you're looking at KD as, like, your main guys. And I just don't think the Bulls have someone that is really qualified to kind of stay in front of them. I, I guess you can make an argument for Derek Jones Jr. Um, that works better in the KD matchup than I think it does in the Giannis one. But, like, I guess in that case, it's the loss of uh, Patrick Williams, and I'm not trying to put all this on him for the defensive responsibilities. But, like, it does hurt not having that additional versatility on that end. And I think that's kind of where... Um, Ultimately, that that they're, that will be their shortcoming. They will be kind of done in on that point. So I think what we've seen right now, they're still sitting pretty at first, but like there's a clear line, I think of like demarcation between like where like the best of the East are when healthy and the Chicago Bulls. And the Chicago Bulls are right there, top three, top four. I just don't think they're number one. I think this recent stretch, even being shorthanded, has kind of shown that yes, like if they're playing a team you know at their level or below it, like, like look out. But against like the top two, three teams, I think they're slightly outclassed. Hmm. I tend to agree. Lauren, where are you at with the Bulls? Yeah, I, I, I'm i in the same boat. There are so many questions with the Nets for me personally, but with Miami, I think the Bulls can can compete there uh, with the Nets at full strength and with the Bucks, I don't think that they could. I, those are the two teams that I don't think that they could get past in a playoff series. Uh, but yeah, like you said, aside from that, I with the way their team is currently constructed, I think that they could go out and smash anybody on any given night in the Eastern Conference. I should say that. Um, <clears throat> but once it comes, I mean, playoffs, different environment, different ball game. 
everything shrinks like it's a pressure cooker so like yeah when you're going up against a bucks team that has so much continuity and just works together so seamlessly not to knock the bulls because i really like the bulls and what they've done ak gets so much credit with with what he's done there but i just don't know that it get, it gets to a point when if you don't have the Giannis or the KD or, or, or James Harden and Kyrie, like you don't have that category and maybe Zach makes himself, puts himself in that category someday, but that's a tall order, another tall order. And which is why I give the bulls credit because if you get a bunch of these guys where it's like, okay, they fill in the gaps and they're giving you these numbers, Damar and Zach and Vooch are combining for like anywhere from 60 to like 75 on a night that helps, but in a seven games, four to seven game series, I don't see them outlasting um, the Nets or the or the Bucks. But I hope I'm wrong. Honestly, well, with the Bucks, no, I hope I'm not wrong. The Nets, hope I am wrong because I would love to see just a team, any team, win it that is not expected to win it because there's nothing more disappointing for me personally. I'm sorry, Corbin. Sorry, I know that that's probably not what you want to hear, but no, it no. gets exhausting when you're especially when you're like a middle market team or a small market team even and and i know chicago's not a small market team but like seeing somebody else get in there is is what i want to see for sure i think it makes more fun it would be more fun it's just i look at this roster and ao is fifth in minutes javante green is seventh um they're not deep this is a very top heavy team this is a very a uh, reliant team on DeMar DeRozan, on Zach Levine, on Lonzo, on Vooch, and then just question marks everywhere. Like Caruso's obviously been really good for them, but Kobe White, ship has sailed. It, like you don't need uh, a modern day Aaron Brooks in that spot. You you can do other <laughs> stuff. And I, I like the Troy, the Troy Brown minutes, the Derek Jones minutes, the, I mean, AO is just like <laughs> the the Illinois version of uh, Frankie Smokes, and that's fine. But like, I, this is not going to work. This defense is not good enough. I think they're twentieth. I want to, yeah, twentieth in defensive rating at the moment. Um, the offense is there. Like you watch it. Like DeRozan's just been unreal, and the on-off numbers for him. I think he's like plus thirteen point seven per hundred possessions, which blows everybody else in the roster out of the water. But I, I think the Patrick Williams thing has to be addressed for me to change my perspective on them just getting blown out of the water by the net to the Bucks in a second round series. Maybe even like Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Joel. Like, who who are the Bulls throwing at Joel in a seven game series? Uh, they don't have yeah. anybody right now. Like, I think I would take the Sixers in that <laughs> series. Um, so they're ahead of schedule, which is awesome. Like, nobody before this season had the Bulls at number one in the East at this point in the year. Nobody. Like, even diehard Bulls fans. Like, the guy, like, the, the people from who just, who love the SNL, the Bears stuff. Like, those fans. <laughs> they're not even doing that. No, no one believed in them to this degree. Like, we were wondering if they were a playing team. But all that being said, you're in a good spot. Like, Patrick Williams is a good a good option to throw at other teams. You have some players that you can throw and like throw for Harrison Barnes, like a Harrison Barnes for spot for them, another vet who can play and you close with Vooch, Barnes, DeRozan, um, Levine and Lonzo. Like, I don't know if that wins the East, but that is a five man rotation. That is a starting lineup that will crush. And that is a starting lineup. You would want to see go to war against the nets and the bucks. Now, do I think it would win? I don't know. But 
it would be a lot better. They just have to clear up that one final spot. And I think there actually is kind of a sneaky amount of pressure for them to address that position because Patrick Williams, we talk about timelines a lot in this podcast. The timeline doesn't match up. He's 20. He can be a really good player, but it's just, I don't know if you can wait on him. I don't know if this roster is built to wait on Patrick Williams to become what he, he wants to become. And you see that across the league. It's threading that needle guys. We, we know that it's, uh, it's difficult. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. And and the timelines are are something that I, I do feel like a lot of people might forget because Patrick Williams, like Ao, like you said, these are fun young players. But people also look at Chicago and they they look at their starting lineup and then remember some of these names and are like, man, look at how deep the Bulls are. But when you put it into perspective and say Ao and Javante Green are like their some of the and granted Caruso, I know he's been battling injury a little bit, mm. are are taking up a significant amount of minutes. That's there are some big questions there, and so um, yeah, d- when you look at the timeline, like where does where does that where do you get? And so where can you improve? And and the defense is the biggest the biggest point. Um, but when you've got some of these young guys, like who who's your target? Like who do you look at as saying okay? that's the route that we should go because as of right now, we don't have enough firepower at the top. Like this is a top heavy roster, but we don't have the firepower to take down a Brooklyn or, or even a Milwaukee or maybe even a Philadelphia, like you said, with uh, going against Joel Embiid. <clears throat> so where do you try and close that gap? And, and, and you can't just say it, you have to have a path and, and a potential option. And right now I don't know that that potential option is necessarily out there because I don't think that guy is out there. Well, uh, the guy's always out there. Is he available? Do you have the assets to get him? Those are, there's, there are a lot of questions there. And I just, I don't know that Chicago has that answer this season. They might in the future. I just don't know about it right now. Yeah, I don't know, but we shall see. We shall see what they do. I'm very curious. They're a team that to watch in the next few weeks. Um, This is right up your alley, Lauren. Jalen Brunson popping up and trade stuff. He's a, he has been a really good partner for Luka Doncic it seems like he is enjoying playing for Jason Kidd more than Rick Carlisle I think there's a lot more trust there um and it seems like that's a very different vibe with Brunson this year versus last year in the last couple of years with with Carlisle but mm-hmm. um he has more offensive responsibility he it just he's in the starting rotation Tim Hardaway is coming <clears throat> off the bench now is Jalen Brunson available in, in Dallas, do you think that's a real possibility that they would move somebody like Brunston, who seems like a pretty good fit uh, with Luca in this group? No, uh, he's he's not. I think going into this season, it was there were definitely questions of, OK, if you're going to bring him off the bench and he's doing what he's doing, um, he's going to be a free an unrestricted free agent, I should add. Um, don't even get me started on that. Um <laughs> and he's making him he's on a second round contract right now like that is about as valuable as a trade piece not as valuable as you can get but that there's some significant value there but then health and safety protocols and this guy takes a step back and with his role and now you've got Jalen Brunson starting and he's putting up numbers every single night is he going off for 30 every night no because if if you watch Jalen Brunson on a night-to-night basis for anyone listening that doesn't watch him he's very fundamental he rarely makes the wrong decision and he just he does the right things and so having him next to Luca 
get, allows you to play with just a lot of confidence and trust in your backcourt. And he he plays well off of Luca. They play well together. They have a really good relationship. And Jalen Brunson does love Jason Kidd. He he said the other day that any time during the game, there's a free throw, um, a dead ball, whatever the case may be, he's walking over to Jason Kidd because he just wants to absorb all the information, as much information as he can. He just loves getting to play for him. Um, <clears throat> there are some very valid and significant connections with the Knicks. So I, I do see why they would sniff around to maybe try and and make the trade for him. But the internal value, and this is where the disconnect is from maybe other fans of other teams, like the internal value on Jalen Brunson right now is so incredibly high because they've seen the areas of his game that he's been able to improve since his rookie year, which was already huge um, for this team in terms of um, solidifying their core. Uh, But yeah, Jalen Brunson the teams that want Jalen Brunson are going to have to push hard for him and like throw the money at him. And he will, he'll get money thrown at him. And the Knicks, I think the Knicks are going to come swinging, but the Mavs, like I think Brunson sees what Luca, like he knows what Luca is. He loves Jason Kidd. He loves the coaching staff. He loves a lot of the guys here right now. I'm not as worried about it, uh, but the offers are going to come in. I just think that they're only going to go so far because he is an unrestricted free agent on an expiring deal. Um, and any offers that they would get are not going to be just what you offer a guy on an expiring contract. And so there's going to be a clear gap in, in expected return versus what's being offered. So that's why I don't think he'll be moved. Uh, I think the only way he ends up on a different team is if, you know, Detroit or the Knicks or somebody comes in with a, or, or the Pelicans. Oh my God, Pelicans <laughs> throw all the money at Jalen Brunson for God, like, for your own sake. Mm-hmm. But um that's the only way. And I still don't even think he would he would leave. I don't know that he would. So we'll see. Corbin, if you're the Knicks, does Jalen Brunson fix anything for you? You know what's funny? I actually uh, have we're gonna talk about this later in terms of trades. I have an idea to give the Knicks just what they need. But <laughs> I think I think that he does. I mean, who wouldn't like a player of Jalen Brunson's quality just just in general? You know what I mean? But especially someone that can kind of balance the offense between, you know, running just a, a heavy kind of Julius Randle-centric brand and also just random, like, off-screen action. Like, you need someone to kind of thread the needle between that. I think you had Kemba Walker over his knee injury after he'd been silent for, like, nine games. It was kind of that guy, you know, being a reliable second source of offense and also playing more or less kind of within the Knicks' general scheme, although using a lot more pick-and-roll, which, you know, newsflash, pick-and-roll point guards, like, running the pick-and-roll. Like, <laughs> that was something that I think was uh, beneficial for the Knicks. They haven't had that, and so they definitely do need um, a, a point guard of that caliber around that area, but we're going to get to that soon. So I don't want to overplay my hand here. Um, with that being said, I agree with Lauren. Like, I, I just don't see how. I think that the match between Brunson and Dallas is one that's going to extend far past this season, um, you know, and I just don't think the Knicks can or any team can go in and interfere with that. Hmm. Lauren, for folks who have not been able to watch Marquise Chris and the Willie Colley Stein, just former lottery pick uh, <laughs> folks uh, over there in Dallas, uh, Colley Stein out. Marquise Chris has just been like beloved by Mavs Twitter. I've seen this year. What uh, what have what have you seen from Chris that uh, makes him so endearing for Mavs Twitter? <laughs> well, it's funny because 
for anyone that's not on Mavs Twitter that doesn't remember, there was a game, oh, like, I think it was two years ago, where it was Mavs versus Warriors and where Marquise Chris was playing with the Warriors. And he gave Luca an, a nice little shove that sent him into the camera crew yeah. on the ground. And Luca got up and was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you're, <laughs> that's not what we're going to do. And so they, um, when we signed Marquise Chris, it was like, huh? But I was like, I, I remember when it happened, I was like, okay, we need somebody like this. We need somebody that's going to play with a little bit of uh, a lot of energy and just have some some feistiness to them. And he just, ever since he's come in, he plays so hard. Um, and when he dunks the ball, he doesn't just like, you know, put it through the roof or the rim. Jeez. Oh my God. He doesn't put it through the rim. Like this <laughs> man dunks the ball and he just, he plays with so much energy and we don't have, Mavs have so many bigs right now, but they don't have somebody that's just going to like, rattle the rim and like come in and just sw- just have play with such an impact on the defensive end and just in terms of effort and energy and he brings that and so and he knows his role and he works hard he's not like I deserve to be the starter or I, I deserve this like he just wanted to get another 10 day get another 10 day until he could be here permanently and so he put the work in and um, yeah he's just unique to what we have and he's exactly what you want to see on happen with some of these guys that come in on these 10 day deals, just work their way and finding their niche in a matter of days, which is so difficult to do. But he just, he says all the right things. He does the dirty work. He doesn't complain. He doesn't complain for calls. Like he just, he does everything you would want. So yeah, he's been fantastic. The Luca Chris connection has been fun to watch because it's just ironic. But the thing with Luca is Luca doesn't care about the past. He doesn't care about guys he's had beef with. At the end of the day, the dude wants to win. And if you're suiting up in the same jersey as him, he could not give. He does not care. He wants to win at all costs. That's interesting. And it's a good story. I, I hope he sticks. And he's he had a kind of that same kind of resurgent in uh, Golden State not too long ago too so it's like one of those things where he's just he's fighting to stay on and that's, yeah. that's fascinating um last thing on the maps and we'll move on mm-hmm. the dwight powell chris Stapp stuff still doesn't seem to be working right like this is not this is something like an elephant in the room with the with these two right kind of a different variation of turner and sabonis where you're like okay <laughs> we're at a crossroads and at some point you have to acknowledge that this cannot be the the big rotation going forward right yeah yeah with dwight powell um he is so beloved by the organization and he's making like tennis this year. I think it's 11. Yeah. 11. Um, he's making $11 million this year. And so when he's at that dollar amount, like he's going to be for a while there, he did earn the starting, the starting spot like a while ago, but mm. things change. You Porzingis is Porzingis wants to play the four. It doesn't work. And it's no secret to everyone that it does not work. And so the Mavs like defensively, the front court defensively is not, it's just not there. And so it think it's very telling that right now the Mavs are being linked to Miles Turner and John Collins. Like that tells you a lot about where they view their front court uh, right now. And so with Jalen Brunson kind of taking that starting spot and solidifying or like having that secondary ball handler next to Luca, your trade deadline trade season priorities shift. Um, and so, yeah, right now I love Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell is beloved by the organization. So, if he were to get traded, I don't I it would surprise me just because of how foundational of a piece he is for this group. Um, but when his con he's got two years left, including this one, and so once his deal expires, I would expect him to still be here just on a 
lower dollar amount because he can't you're not going to win a title with him as your starting five and if you're so set on Porzingis playing the four and letting him you know believe that he's playing the four whatever the case may be um you've got to get somebody that's more complimentary and I think it'll be interesting if that guy is as not as tall as Porzingis but like seven feet because (laughs) that's gonna be tough Mm -hmm. but um yeah, it's not Dwight Powell right now. I don't think it's anybody on this roster, and they do know that, which is why I think last night they had Maxi starting with him, which I thought was very interesting personally. And I was talking to uh, Kevin Gray, who does the fan here in Dallas, um, last night before the game. We were talking about why not just throw Marquise Chris out there? Like he's hmm. he does the heart, he does the dirty work. Like this guy was just on a ten day. So are you? Get, what does that say if you're trying to be competitive in the West and you're starting a guy that was just on a ten day? Like. Yeah, I get the optics of that aren't the the best look, but he's the guy that's like the bruiser, the defensive energy, and he goes like he goes hard. And when he's in there, he gets rebounds because he just plays with so much effort. And so if you put that guy next to Porzingis, you make him guard whoever the the dominant big is, whether it's the four or the five. Let Porzingis come from the help side. He's your best bet right now, defensively in the front court to play next to Porzingis. So I would keep an eye out for that, uh, Maxi. Maxi, the thing with Maxi is that Maxi's like a he can guard out on the perimeter, but he's not a bruiser down low, which is where we give up a lot of points in the paint sometimes. But that being said, the defense has been pretty solid. Like as of late, their their defense has been fantastic, and so there's a chance that Maxi does continue to hold that that spot. But I don't know. We'll see what happens post deadline. I, I would expect a lot of changes. <laughs> to be fair interesting well we'll see we'll see what happens a team that also might be undergoing some changes the philadelphia 76ers who have won nine of their last 10 figured some stuff out joel and just an absolute marvel and the frustrating thing with them is just i i just don't think maury can really sit on a simmons trade uh with the team still fighting for home court in the first round it would just be such a slap in the face to these guys who are busting their tail every every night like just doing what they can to make this work without ben simmons who just left the team and they they could have packed it in they could have revolted they could have had a season from hell and let that carry over because it's just a disastrous situation to lose someone of simmons caliber and to just quit on the team the way he has it, it just got so ugly and for them to pull this together and for Joel Embiid to just be like yeah i'm still leading this team to where we need to go and thigh able to play the way he has and tyrese maxi to get a lot better in an expanded role i don't think you can do that like there i understand the idea of not losing a trade and maury never wanting to lose a trade but there's also the the person aspect and i just can't escape that where it's like you cannot do Joel Embiid like that you just can't personally put him in a position where he is giving you everything and this is a year-to-year thing with Embiid because once it goes it's gone it, it just for big guys it just goes so quickly and you can't waste it. You can't waste Joel Embiid at this moment. And even if you don't get exactly what you wanted, even if you can't get Beal or Lillard or whatever, you're going to have to suck it up. Like you're just going to have to suck it up. It's a crappy situation, but you still have to get the best you can to make this season as best, like as, as just raise the ceiling this season as much as you possibly can, because it would be such a slap in the face to Joel Embiid. If they don't do that. What do you think, Corbin? I have to agree completely with you. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if not. And I'm not sure why he's waited so long as they have. Like, it, it just doesn't make enough sense. Like, I think Joel Embiid clearly is, is I think, in my opinion, the MVP um, or right above there, like right up there in the top 
three, um, if I had to guess. Like, the way that he's playing, and you're right, the, the, the kind of timetable that you have with him playing at this level, not just with injuries, but just being a big man in the NBA, unfortunately, just having that kind of break, break, breakdown of him. So, like, building around him should be of the utmost importance. Um, I don't know whether the value's really been fluctuating around Ben Simmons. I'm honestly just so tired of Ben Simmons. Like, I've never said Ben Simmons more in my life. Um, it's like, wow. But, like, if they can, like, do something to bring back pieces at this point, forget the superstar. Bring back pieces that fit around Joel Embiid. Like, I'm not sure what happened to the model of having, like, a dominant big man, maybe one, like, reliable off-ball player who can create his own offense and shooting and defense. And, I mean, I, again, I'm not a GM. I'm not executive. I don't know. But, like, the... The way that the 76ers are playing right now works. Add more pieces to complement that. Maybe add an upgrade a certain position. But, but do something because you're not getting Ben Simmons back. Like, this isn't news. Like, it's not happening. He's not playing. He's made that very clear. I think his representation has made that clear. Um, there's been no mixed messages around that except from the 76ers side. So, you know, flip that. Try to see what you can get and continue to go from there because you're right. You have a finite amount of time with which to work around a beat, especially playing at the high level that he is. And, you know, you can. You might. I. I don't think I look at them much like Chicago. I don't look at them passing. You know, not even really Miami. Well, I think Miami actually, but not you know Brooklyn or Milwaukee. But they're right in the mix. And do you? Why would you want to give that up just because? Oh, we really want you know our star player in four first rounders unprotected or whatever the heck he wants. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I. Uh, I completely agree. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I. I think Corbin said it perfectly when he said you're not getting the superstar back you need to focus on uh bringing in complementary pieces which is mm-hmm. why i keep going back to the kings uh i think the hawks like are very interesting in in, in that mix you and i or like i we talked about that before we started recording but um to me the kings make more sense and they have so many different guys that i think you could plug and play especially guys that would do better in the half court and I think those guys are Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes is now even eligible for trade. And 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 this is where I keep coming back to, okay, this the 76ers want a star, and I keep seeing the De'Aaron Fox link, and it makes zero sense. Him and Embiid are the exact opposite player, like in in every way, in every single way. They are the exact opposite. So bringing in De'Aaron Fox for the sake of getting a star back makes zero sense. And so do you are you going to try and wait would you rather have somebody like cj i'm a big cj fan but i i don't think that that's that's the answer which is why i think if you get you know a package of buddy healed harrison barnes and if you have to get somebody and you're like okay i want davion mitchell i don't even know if he's like available i think that they're looking at darren fox like okay we see his trajectory now and so we're kind of ready to move or we're okay with moving on i think they're still figuring that out with davion which is why he might not be available for to for trade but um getting guys like buddy healed and harrison barnes that to come in and fill the gaps and that fit with playing in the half court there's definitely the questions of how does how does buddy healed help you know your defense especially if you're losing ben simmons but the reality is you don't have ben simmons right now and you're fifth in the east and so buddy i i I also have the the stance that you relocate buddy i don't think he's going to become like you know crazy crazy new superstar player Mm -hmm. but he's going to be the volume and the efficiency i think are going to significantly improve and so um yeah i think that i keep coming back to that for um for the 76ers and and i think that there could be something there with atlanta because they just have 
they have young pieces that are intriguing that you could try to use or bring in as a part of the deal to just have maybe more future assets. But, um, but in terms of guys like, like Gallo, Bogdan, and just some of these guys that are more like for the win now, even, even someone like John Collins, like I also, I think I also saw like a Ben Simmons, John, no. No, no, no. That to me, that doesn't work either. So I think it works I think, perfectly. I think we do that today. I think both sides are better off for it. I think we just go ahead and lock that in, send it to Silver, and let's get that Atlanta's thing done. Way better off for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think Atlanta would just love that. But for me, I don't think uh, I don't think that's the answer for for Philadelphia. But um, yeah, they need. To, I I I think what you said also, Chase, about the people aspect of it, and what does it say to your guys that are there right now and that are having to go to the gym every single day with this cloud over their heads that Mm -hmm. like it's just you've got to recognize that fact of it and maybe maury i don't want to say he doesn't care but maybe he's just like like you said doesn't want to do a bad deal never wants to lose a trade uh but i think you've gotten to the point where so much time has passed and everybody's looking at this like come on man you just you got to do it for Embiid. it's Mm -hmm. not at this point it's not about you or your trade history or your record as GM or, or not GM or like whatever you need to do it for Embiid is, is my, my opinion. I agree. Um, I've got the Jeremy Grant trade. I've got the Jeremy Grant trade. I've been thinking about it. The Lakers Corbin is not happening. I, I, I really? think we need to get rid of uh, any trade with the Lakers uh, is just preposterous. Yeah. There's nothing they can do uh, without listen. Mm-hmm. Rob Palenka will pull something off his hat. Half fake, y'all. I'm, I'm trust me. I'm just saying. If you say so. Um, <laughs> if, I just I I like it. You're you're still optimistic. You got your ring though. That's the thing. Is the Lakers got the bubble ring? Like it's not a failure. It it you you got it done when you needed to. But the trade for Jeremy Grant is an interesting one because they're paying thirty five million dollars to Gobert. The Utah Jazz are. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's making twenty eight. They're both locked in for five years. Um, you got Conley at 21. So that's just an outrageous amount of their cap, but it's it's worth it. The Jazz are winning a bunch of regular season basketball games. They're picking and roll machine. Their defense with Gobert is just otherworldly. All that's true. However, you can do this. You can move Bogdanovich and you move Ingles and you move some picks. Or you can put Royce O'Neal, one, two of those three, and multiple picks for Jeremy Grant. I... The Jazz are in such a weird spot. And the reason I just I'm banging the Jeremy Grant thing there where it's like at some point they have to address the wing position like they cannot go through another playoffs where they're relying on just bogey and Ingles and Jordan Clarkston or Rudy Gay at this point um, O'Neal like there's just those are all fine players and I like them all individually and Gay's been really good for them but they have to take a big swing at some point. They have to get that one last thing, kind of like where the Nuggets were before they traded for Aaron Gordon. That's what I think about with Utah. And when people posit like Jeremy Grant here or there, and I'm like, Utah's the team that should be just whatever it takes, just hounding Troy Weaver uh, about uh, about Grant because he's the wing. Like they don't have that wing who they can throw at somebody because it's not Conley. It's not Mitchell. Mitchell's responsibilities on offense are just too strong to ask him to become an elite lockdown defender. It's just, the responsibilities are not there and you need somebody on that wing and you want to go to battle. Like you surrender a lot of depth here, but the West gets so much more interesting. If it's Conley, it's Grant, it's Mitchell and it's Gobert and insert player here. Like that is that that's tough. Nobody 
wants that in a seven game series. I think that is a really, really smart basketball team that has an incredibly high ceiling and just gets so much more interesting. Am I am I overthinking this? Do you think Jeremy Grant would be that much of a big swing and potentially swinging the West, Lauren? It's so hard. It's hard because I like Jeremy Grant. I don't know if he's the swing that saves it all for the Utah Jazz because the money they've locked up in Gobert is some serious money. And I I agree with you. They got to put some of these pieces together to try and take steps forward. And I think as of right now, nobody's afraid of the Utah Jazz. And we saw that last year. Like, okay, they they were incredible in the regular season. Let's see if they are a changed team in the playoffs. And they weren't. And so how does Jeremy Grant shift that? Right now, given their current personnel, they have, they're the best offensive team in the league in terms of offensive rating. And a lot of that goes to the spacing, the ball movement, and the shooting that Ingles and Bogdanovich provide. And so you insert Jeremy Grant in there. How does that shift the dynamic and how they operate? And I, I don't know. Maybe it is. It, you got to con- consult or yeah, consolidate the assets at one point and go make an upgrade. And is that guy out there right now? Again, it kind of comes back to the Damian Lillard and even the Embiid. How long can you wait before Donovan Mitchell is saying, okay, well, there's a lot of teams. I could, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. paying Rudy Gobert 200 plus million. There's a lot of teams where I could go and 200 plus million could be used better. And so, um, not to, not to knock Rudy Gobert, but uh, that's a lot of money to pay a big man. And so, Jeremy Grant is one of the best options for them out there right now. I I, I agree with that, uh, but I I don't know if that's the move. And maybe personally, I think maybe you wait and try and do like Clarkson and Bogdanovich or Clarkson and Ingles or something or something that really like it needs to be a there are no questions. This is a home run. And for me, maybe I'm maybe I'm undervaluing Jeremy Grant. But I just don't know that I I feel that he gets it done for the Utah Jazz. Hmm. Corbin, what do you think? I hesitate to say Jeremy Grant and like difference maker in the West in the same sentence. So I, I agree. I think Lauren and you both made excellent points, and I concur with both of those. Like he's someone that would be like just a great addition to Utah. Uh, I, I'd be rephrasing what everyone's already said, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But like offensively, defensively, yes, perfect match. His offensive game complements that he's better in a role where he is not the the main creator or someone that you you know give a high volume of shots to. Playing off of guys is a way that he succeeds of uh, in his most efficient self. Defensively, we've known we've seen what he can do across you know multiple playoff teams: Denver, um, Oklahoma City. Like we've seen this, so bringing him on a Utah team. With a, a guy like Rudy Gobert, which he's not played alongside, would be tremendous on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I think it works. I just think, uh, like you both mentioned, there's, there's a lot of time at the top. I don't know if that's like, oh, yeah, you know, that vaults Utah to the very top. Like, it, it definitely solidifies them in that conversation, but they already are. I just think it makes them stronger come playoff time, which is where they normally falter. Mm. I am curious to see what ultimately happens there, because I think Weaver and Jeremy Grant are both from D.C., and I think they're they're pretty close. So I don't know if Jeremy Grant getting moved is a is a slam dunk. Uh, Interesting. Going to happen. Um, favorite fake trade idea of the week, guys. I, I'm curious. What is your your number one fake trade of the week that you would like to like to throw out there? Your NBA trade machine fake trade. Oh, yeah. Corbin, what do you got? Okay, so I 
found like I cooked up one and then I found one. And I, I guess the one I found I found is a lot better than the one I cooked up. I was proud of mine until <laughs> I realized that it's kind of skewed in our direction. So I'm gonna throw both out. So the first one, um, this is just you know the the, the made up one. The Knicks get the point guard that they need that they can play alongside Julius Randle that will take charge, electrify New York, and lead them to the playoffs. He does so good with underwhelming teams that have very low expectations. That's Russell Westbrook. Oh no! Oh forward, no! Right. We'll throw in the 2023 second round pick we have from Chicago. We'll throw in a 2025 second rounder. And get this. We'll give them a little treat. We'll give them a 2028 first round pick lottery protected. Just like, yes, like, y'all take that. And we want that for the low, low, low price of Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, and Evan Foyer. How does that fix anything <laughs> in Los Angeles? What is that? Huh? What does what that fix in Los Angeles? Listen, listen. For, for Los Angeles, we get guys who can play off ball. Mm-hmm. Um, in Kemba Walker, who will run like he's a primary ball handler, but shoots the three at a high clip off ball. Um, can be someone who actually is going to be a threat in the corners. Can also, like you said, run pick and roll. Derrick Rose, somebody who could do what we hoped Russell Westbrook could do, which is carry the offense when LeBron's off the bench. I mean, carry the offense when LeBron's on the bench. Um, being that spark plug on the offensive end. Evan Fournier. I mean, listen. We've had a history, I think, this year is the one year where that's been a little bit debunked, but where shooters come to L.A. and they just forget how to shoot. You know, you look at Danny Green, you look at Reggie Bullock, look at guys through the years the Lakers have acquired with that with that uh, Wesley Matthews, with that label of shooting, and then just be iffy to sell so shooters. But, like, I think that with Evan Fournier, we're taking that contract back. I don't like the back half of that. But, like, he's someone who has been streaky, but could give, like, some – he's not going to be a total uh, – liability defensive end will at least give another threat of shooting and and i think it's a good fit i think it works well it probably works better for the lakers and does for the knicks and that's why I, I like say this but also rush through what i'd be taking back from the knicks because that is i think derrick rose has been great when he's been healthy kemba walker's had his moments as well and evan fournier has been a player for new york um you know that 10-3 game aside like he's been up and down but i, I thought that was a trade where the lakers at least address shooting because you can't have enough of that while also having some reliable uh, creation from the backcourt, because look at who they're playing. There's really LeBron James, who's a frontcourt player playing as a backcourt guy, and then a bunch of backcourt players who really should be playing upper position, but for size, um, et cetera, just due to their skills or lack thereof on the perimeter. So that's what that trade would address. But there was another one. Um, shout out to fan sided uh, Lake Show Life. I like this because it, it's wacky, and I love wacky trades. If you're going to do it, just go for it. But you know, it's a three-teamer, and I'm a big fan of the three-team trades. So, get this, uh, shout-out to uh, Jonathan Kierman. There we go. But, the Lakers will get Buddy Heald. Yep, I'm doing a mistake we shouldn't have done in the first place. Kemba Walker and Damian Jones. You know the Lakers love Damian Jones, just not mm-hmm. enough to retain them last year. But anyways, we get those guys, right? The Kings get Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, Kent Bazemore, and a 2023 second-round pick from the Lakers. And the Knicks just get the one guy they want, Russell Westbrook. I think that helps all parts, okay? The Knicks get the point guard again they need. They also manage to somehow keep um, um, Derrick Rose as their, you know, backcourt punch. Bam. The Kings get a plethora of win guys. You know the Kings and their wings. I don't know what they're going to do with Harrison Barnes, uh, what they're going to do with but- well, Buddy Hill. They're taking the Lakers as he should go. So that works out well. And then the Lakers, you know, we get the center we need, we get the point guard we need, and we get the shooting guard we need. Like, I think every team walks away going, you know what? That's a masterful deal. So shout out to Jonathan Kierman because I think that deal is perfect. What do y'all think? I I don't like either of them. <laughs> I don't like either of them. Lauren, do you like either of those? Um, 
Oh god, I'm trying to keep track of all the pieces that moved. I, you know, I think Russ to the Knicks is make. <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on board with it. Like, I think that there's a framework there where that gets done because I think Russ was made for the Knicks. To be honest with you, um, like the in my, in my mind, there are only like four teams in the NBA that will trade for Russ, and it's actually three. I'm throwing OKC out, and it's really just because of the connection. Mm. But I think those teams are. The Pelicans, the Knicks, and maybe the Clippers, maybe, and hmm. that's it for me. I don't think anybody else is trading for Russell Westbrook, and so the Knicks, like, it just makes so many, it just makes so much sense, and that was also my trade. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm trying to pick up something on the. It just, it makes too much sense. There, the Knicks have so many pieces that they they can move. They have big contracts. They have small contracts. They have win now guys like. Shooting, shooting guys that add spacing that the Lakers could use. They have like they have so many different. They have Nerlens Noel or like Mitchell Robinson and Mitchell. Never mind, Mitchell Robinson's not getting included in that. But they have Nerlens Noel, somebody who like the defense you could add there. They just it just makes so much sense. And then New Orleans is just too desperate. They have to do something. But how does that work? The spacing with Zion and and Russ. Those questions there. So to me, the Knicks Russ makes so much sense. Hmm. I think the Westbrook conversation that I call if I'm uh if I'm LeBron the GM, I'm making sure we're calling Mitch Kupchak in Charlotte. Where I'm like, okay, y'all don't have a center, y'all don't have anything, but you know what? Russell Westbrook, Lamelo Ball, it'll be fun. Y'all aren't playing for anything anyway. You're not doing anything. You're wasting everyone's time. Like this is a, a fun brand of basketball, but uh, Miles Bridges is your number two. Is not getting you where you need to go. Um, and you got to figure out what you're going to do with his contract after this year too. PJ Washington, we know, has been on the the trade block. Yep, boot night from uh, from UConn, sitting there. They've got a bunch of like, huh? This is like, I, I would like Terry Rozier on a different team. I would like Kelly Oubre on a different team. I would like Gordon Hayward on a different team. Like, I would call and just be like, what? What would it take? Just sell some tickets in Charlotte. I've looked at your attendance numbers. I've looked at uh, where this <laughs> team's going right now. Uh, I've seen that you refuse to wear the white, great uh, Charlotte uniforms that at home for any home game because the the NBA has a uniform problem across the league where no one wears stuff that's identifiable anymore. Um <laughs> I uh, I would do that. Just sell tickets, Westbrook and uh, and Lamelo Ball. Just see what happens because they're they're playing for nothing. There's there's no trajectory for them to figure this out. None of these players figure to really pop in the way that gets them back in that top. Like the Hornets are in this weird weird situation. Um, that I don't know. That that's probably what I would call. It. But my trade was the Jeremy Grant for Bogey Ingles and uh, insert filler here because. I, I just, I think that would just be so good. And you get Detroit more shooters and they're pretty big, heavy. So I don't know. I think that would be smart. And just two guys who are adults in the room and veterans and who can help Dwayne Casey as he continues to uh, go through this roster and go through a lot of losing. Because uh, I don't think that's uh, ending anytime soon. But we'll see. Um, Lauren, your storyline to watch this week is what? My storyline to watch this week. Oh, that's well, I think it's got to be the Hawks. Mm. Uh, To me, I think there's a lot of smoke going on there. You know, there's a couple of fires, potentially a big, big fire. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, But my storyline to watch is is definitely Atlanta. Um, They've got a lot of pieces that could get moved. I think Gallo is, is out there, but it's really the size of that contract that becomes the primary hurdle. 
John Collins obviously out there. Um, and I think that I think there's some similarities to the Cam Reddish situation in, in terms of I'm not happy, haven't been happy for a while. We haven't done a whole lot to really address it. Um, it's best for both if we just move on. Um, so I I do expect that to happen before the deadline. I think John Collins is going to get moved, and yeah, I I, I think they're going to look for some some big changes and having guys like Jeremy Grant and Ben Simmons, and even all the guys that are on the Pacers that are available to be bought. Robert Covington as well. Like there are lots of guys for Atlanta to really shift around to try and stay competitive for Trey. Um, but yeah, there are so many questions around that roster right now. When whenever there's a quote unquote fire sale or everyone is available, there's always lots to watch to go on there. Interesting. What about you, Corbin? Um, well, with the recent news of Kevin Durant, you know, being out four to six weeks with that knee sprain, I think that it, it has to be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, 11 of their next 14 games on the road. Kyrie Irving figures to be a big part of those. Uh, let's see if he can build chemistry with James Harden and the rest of them without having Kevin Durant there. Um, and even this upcoming week, I mean, they have challenges. They have the Cavs tomorrow. Um, then they have the Wizards, the Spurs, and the Timberwolves on this next week. And then next Tuesday, back at home, just Harden, the Lakers coming to town. So I do want to see... Um, well, I guess I said that like the Lakers are superimposing, didn't I? Anyways, the point <laughs> being is that... They have a stretch of games against some really challenging opponents in different ways without Kevin Durant, who's been a big part, literally a huge part of the Nets this entire year, keeping them where they've been. Let's see how they kind of continue to build that chemistry with Kyrie away from uh, the team and then just with Harden and the role players back at home. Okay. I like that. I like that. We'll see what happens here. Um, We'll wrap on this note. The best NBA piece you read this week was what, Corbin? Um, so I read a nice it's, – it's not a newer piece that came out sometime last week, um, but I read a nice piece on Jabari Smith uh, Jr. from the boxing one. Um, it was really cool. Adam Spinella, a really uh, really thoughtful piece on a guy who I'm just starting to look at the NBA draft. I like – like I'm really not anywhere near a draft expert, so I like to wait until closer um, until like the prospects are out there, watch video, you know, cram a lot of reading in and go from there. Um, I also read a, a great piece from the great Nikias Duncan – on Anthony Simons and his continued development and just how he has uh, continued to add skills to his game in a detailed way that Duncan Nikaias does so well in terms of breaking down, you know, what he's seeing on the floor and the different reads he's making there. So those would be the two pieces I've really enjoyed. I like it. Lauren, what about you? Yeah, I like a couple of pieces and they're they're just over a week ago, but uh, Tim Cato wrote a couple of great pieces on Dirk with his Jersey retirement ceremony that happened uh, a couple games ago against against the Warriors January 5th. OK, a little over a week ago, but um, he wrote a couple of pieces on on Dirk and his time in Dallas and another uh, on Dirk when he looked at an opposing player and said, we're not done kicking your ass yet so get up and i just i think that that embodies dirk so well and so i really enjoyed reading those uh and everything surrounding dirk's retirement it was awesome i like that i like that uh mine goes to true hoop friend of the pod david thorpe i always learn something new whenever i read his pieces on true hoop and it's definitely worth the subscription but he did a really good piece on the warrior screening and just 
how much it just sharpens the Warriors offense. And when you watch the Warriors, it's just amazing how they slide in and out of screens and how guys just slide to the they that's really a sliding team. That's how what I write down when I'm watching them is just they they know where to go at all times. They're just so smart in the way they just like even Jordan Poole, like he has mm-hmm. some of the smoothest moves in basketball for me. I just I really much enjoy watching him off ball and just the way this team operates night in, night out, the Warriors are just, you're not going to believe this, folks. The Warriors, still a fun watch uh, in the NBA. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, this was this was awesome. The Sunday NBA shoot around. I'm glad we were able to make this work today, guys. Thank you so much for making the time. Lauren, what uh, can we check out from you across the internet uh, this past week or this week going forward? Oh, man. This past week, really just game day coverage, lots of day-to-day stuff with the Mavericks. We're going to be press or revving up, really, with trade season around the corner. I guess it's here, but the deadline is around the corner over at Mavs Moneyball. So you can find my work at the Lauren Gunn on Twitter. Uh, all my work will go out there. It'll also go out on MavsMoneyball.com and the Mavs Moneyball Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, come keep up with everything Mavs uh, on Twitter. There you go. There you go. What about you, Corbin? So I have been sick uh, for most of this week. Um, this is my first thing back, uh, well, since the past week. So you can find anything I do, mostly the podcast uh, variety, um, on Corbin at Corbin NBA on Twitter. Um, I'll be kicking back up this week. I have a fun project I'm doing with two cool, um, two cool friends of mine. Um, in addition to Round Ball Ramble, which is a daily kind of NBA show. Um, this point has been semi mostly like multiple times during the week, but it's going to go back to daily. And then other um, project that I've been happy to do, which is really just about trades in the NBA and um, kind of the front office perspective, but also through the eyes of a heavily biased fan. So it should be kind of fun. Um, and that'll be continuing this week as well. So Corbin NBA for all of that. There you go. Corbin NBA, the Lauren Gunn on Twitter.com. Go support their work and uh, keep up with them this week and the rest of this NBA season. Lauren, Corbin, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, you have yourselves a great rest of your weekend and maybe the Cowboys will will pull it off, Lauren, for against your Fingers four, the Niners. Yeah, it's an aesthetically pleasing game. Uh, just <laughs> looks wise. The the Niners Cowboys uniforms in this one, just top notch. I'm a big uniform guy and it's going to be it's going to be a good looking one. Uh, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for it. It'll be it'll be interesting. I, I hope they get the dub. We'll see. Lauren, Corbin, thank you as always. I will talk to you both very soon. All right. Take care. Thanks, Chase. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Sunday NBA Shootaround uh, podcast with Lauren Gunn and Corbin Ford. Thank you again to both Lauren and Corbin for coming on today's show. Greatly appreciate it. And go give them a follow on their Twitter accounts if you have not already done so and keep up with their work uh, all this week as uh, more NBA happens. So if you like listening to Lauren and Corbin and myself talk all things NBA, make sure you go ahead and uh, give this show a five-star rating and review on your preferred app of choice. It helps more than you know. Uh, make sure you can email the program at chasedomospodcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, uh, just go subscribe. Sports Renaissance Man. Substack.com. Type in your email on the newsletter. Get it every day. Uh, new stuff in your email inbox every single day. Uh, make sure to go to chasedomospodcast.com uh, today for access to all of my previous episodes and more information about the show. How you can support it. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer and all that good stuff. New episode tomorrow. Thank you as always. And I will talk to you all very soon. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew.
Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.